While you're turning to Luke chapter 9, let me just uh, tell you about a family in our church that I want you to keep in your prayers. Um, last weekend, we prayed for the families of the Columbia Space Shuttle, and we also um, prayed for our nation, that God would use this in our nation. And on Monday, I was informed that we actually have a former astronaut as a member here in our church, and his wife sings in the choir, and uh, he's been on two missions into space, and he was the captain of the space shuttle Columbia on the two former missions that he was on. And last weekend, he was on Fox and MSNBC the entire time, so you probably saw him. His name is Captain Tom Henricks. And so they were interviewing him because he has commanded the space shuttle, uh, Columbia. And he's been on uh, all week. Yesterday, I heard he was on CNN most of the day. Uh, I called him on Monday, spoke with him for about 15 minutes on the phone. Uh, so I want you to pray for him. His wife is Becky. Let me just tell you, though, a little bit uh, about him in that when they go on a, a mission, they choose two astronaut families to be family to their family while they're gone. And on the last mission he was on, which, by the way, was 16 days, it was very similar to this one, and um, he chose, one of the astronauts he chose was Commander Rick Huston. And uh, so he is very close with the astronauts that um, died, especially Rick Husband. He told me Rick Husband's a Christian, he's a believer, loves the Lord. And uh, Becky told me, his wife, that when he was on the, uh, when he was coming back, Tom, uh, Rick Husband and his wife, they were standing on the runway with her, holding her hand while she was waiting for her husband to, to come back. And so it's a difficult time for them. Uh, so I just want you to keep them in their prayers. Now, Becky, his wife, is a Christian songwriter, and she wrote a song for the families uh, of the uh, of the space of the of Columbia. And um, she on Monday she wanted to know if we knew somewhere she could get it recorded because NASA was requesting it and some of the networks were requesting it. And we had the equipment right here, so Pastor Thomas met her up here with our worship team. And they recorded it put it on CD, and um, so now it's been sent to the families, you know, and it's recorded here. I listened to it last night. You know, we have a CD coming out in March, at the end of March, and so I talked to Pastor Thomas, and we may even put that song on our CD and, and dedicate it to the, uh, the families. And so, anyway, just be praying for this family that is a part of our family, and God is giving him a voice because as a former commander of the Columbia, he's on all the national networks right now and giving testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ through this thing. So just keep Tom and Becky Hendricks in your prayer, all right? Uh, we're continuing our series on the blessed life, and um, this is the message I'm excited about. Today is miracle offering. Last night, people came excited to give. I watched. We have the offering boxes down here. At the end of the service, we'll come and give. I watched as families came and, and wept as they gave their offering to the Lord, and that's what we want to talk about today. Now, there are three levels of giving. And the Holy Spirit showed this to me about um, a year and a half to two years ago, not very long ago. I was going through the Word, and I started seeing these three levels of giving. Unfortunately, most believers never even get to the first level. The first level is tithing. And I don't know if you know, but only 20%, this is according to the national statistics, only 20% of evangelical Christians tithe. 
20% give 80% of the income of the church. That's the national average. So most believers never even get to the first level. Three levels now giving, and I want us to always go to the third level. I want us to be an example, and I want you to live the blessed life. The reason that I'm preaching this to you, and I want to just um, somehow help you to understand, I don't see myself as a professional minister. I don't see myself as a pastor preaching to you to get you to do things. I see myself as a believer that God uses me every week to share with other believers what he's showing me in the Word and what he's doing in my own life. The only reason that I share so strongly on giving is because I see it work in my own life. And I'm I'm just totally uh, blown away and, and bothered by how many believers never live the blessed life that God wants them to live. And so that's the only way I'm sharing with you, as one believer to another believer, that this is the best way to live. It is the, um, this is not a, a good word, but I'm going to say anyway, it's the funnest life you can live. It's the most fun you can have as a believer. Three levels now of giving. The first level is tithing. The second level is offerings. And the third level is extravagant offerings. And all through Scripture, you'll see these three levels of giving. Now, when the Lord showed this to me, I called a friend of mine who has the gift of giving, and I said, guess what I found in the Word? There are three levels of giving. And you know how when you, um, uh, when God shows you something, you don't think anybody else, you know, knows it. You know, you're the only one that knows this. And I should have known that a person in the gift of giving would know about these three levels. But I said, there are three levels of giving in Scripture. And he said, I know. I said, oh, you do not. He said, yes, I do. I said, he said, I didn't even tell you what the three levels are. I said, well, okay, you know, smarty pants, tell me what the, what the three levels are. He said, tithe, offerings, and painful offerings. Well, um, I'm going to call them extravagant offerings, all right? But let me say this, they are sacrificial. It does require a sacrifice on our part. And these offerings are all through Scripture. Solomon gave a, a tremendous sacrifice do you remember the night that, that God came to Solomon and, and said something to him? And it's very famous what God said to him. God came to him and said, ask anything you want. Do, do you all remember that? Ask anything you want. And Solomon asked for wisdom. More of you got that one right. That's good. All right. Now, here's what we don't know, though, what preceded that. What preceded that was, it was on the day that he was inaugurated king, and it was customary for the new king to offer one bull as a sacrifice on the offering, on the day he was inaugurated. Well, Solomon didn't offer just one bull. He offered 1,000 bulls. Now, see, somehow we don't catch that or grasp that, but that was their income. That was the way that their income was in the same way. It's just like us giving money. And I think the guys around him probably even said to him that day, hey, listen, if you want to be extravagant, give 10. I mean, you know, that's extravagant. No one's ever done that before. Or if you really want to be extravagant, give 100, but not a 1,000. Can you imagine a 1,000 bulls? And after he gives a 1,000 bulls, God comes to him and says, ask whatever you want. And let me just tell you something. God will always say only to givers, ask anything you want. God would never say to a taker, ask anything you want, because he can't trust them. 
And the reason that Solomon was told by God, see, we would, we've all had this thought. I wish God would say that to me. <laughs> but what preceded God saying, ask anything, was Solomon saying, you can have everything. So that's an extravagant gift. Another extravagant gift is David's gift to the temple. Uh, in today's currency, King David gave $21 billion to build the church. $21 billion with a B. That's an extravagant gift even for a king. I'll tell you another extravagant offering in Scripture. The widow's two mites. That was extravagant. See, it's not the amount, it's our heart. And her heart was, you can have it all, God. And Jesus said she gave more than even the rich people. This was the most extravagant gift given. I'll tell you another extravagant gift in Scripture. Abraham offered his son. Would you call that extravagant? And I'll give you one better than that. God offered his son. That was the most extravagant gift ever given. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So it, these, these three levels are all through Scripture. And, and that's what I want to share with you about today, all right? Are, are you in Luke chapter 9? Luke chapter 9, we're going to begin at verse 12. This is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, but I think there are some keys in here that we need to see. Luke 9, verse 12. When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, notice who came to him, the twelve, and said, send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, well, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. In other words, 5,000 heads of households, families. That means there could have been between 15 and some say up to even 25,000 people when you count women and children as well. There were about 5,000 men. Then he said to disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and twelve baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, this is a, a, a passage that most of us are familiar with. But the way to make Bible passages really come alive is to put ourselves in the story. I want you to pretend like that you're one of the twelve that day, and you're following Jesus around, this person you believe is the Messiah, and you're part of the Messiah search committee, you know, looking for the Messiah, and you got the guy, you think it's him, and you're having these services, you're having revival meetings in towns, and people are being saved and healed and delivered, and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, one day, you have the largest crowd you've ever had. Most theologians believe this would have been the largest crowd he ever spoke to at one time, even larger than the Sermon on the Mount. And so you've got high attendance Sunday, and you've had to bring in chairs, and everybody's there, and you're just, this is just wonderful. And Jesus gets up and he's preaching this great message, but 12 o'clock comes, 
and he doesn't dismiss. And everybody knows on Sunday church ends at 12 o'clock, you know. Well, you think, well, he's a good speaker, and so he'll go a little bit long. We'll miss the kickoff, you know, the noon game, but it'll be okay. It doesn't get exciting until the fourth quarter. Everything will be all right. 12.30, he's still preaching. 1 o'clock, still preaching. 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. See, verse 12 says, when the day began to wear away. The day began to wear away. I mean, think about how Luke records this. He's letting you know he went way too long that day in his sermon. <laughs> Four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, what are you going to do? Now, here's probably what happened. It said the 12 came to him. Now, here's what I personally think happened. The 12 came to him and said, Lord, the people are hungry. I personally believe they were hungry. <laughs> but they wanted to couch it in spiritual terms, you know. And so they got over there, and what are we going to do, man? This is the biggest crowd. They're not going to come back next week. This is terrible, you know. He keeps going. I'm about to starve to death, you know. So what, what do you think about doing? Someone said, let's tell him the people are hungry. Oh, that's a good idea. We're concerned about the people. That's a good idea. And so now let's pretend that you get elected as the spokesman for the 12, all right? And so you, you approach Jesus, and you say, Lord, excuse me. Now, Jesus is talking to all these hills. Lord, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, just a minute, just, just a minute. We'll continue in a minute. Uh, Lord, listen, um, we, we were over here talking. Oh, the teaching has been so good today. Oh, I mean, it has just been so rich. And we could stay all night. I'm telling you, we could stay. But we kind of feel the people are, are getting a little uh, hungry. And so we thought it would be good if you would dismiss uh, so the people could go into the town. We're outside of town and, and get something to eat. Now, I want you to notice something maybe you've never seen in your Bibles before. Look at verse 13. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Now, I want you to think about this. Lord, we, we thought that um, the people are hungry. You ought to dismiss the service. And Jesus turns to you and says, you give them something to eat. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> well, you said the people are hungry, so give them something to eat. You want us to give them something to eat? Yeah, that's what I said. Give them something to eat. Okay. Now you've got to go report to the committee. And so you go back over to the committee and they say, well, uh, did you tell them the people were hungry? Yes, told them. Yes, told them the people were hungry. So is he going to dismiss the service? Nope. Well, uh, what, what did he say? What? What did he say? He said for us to give them something to eat. What? Oh, this is crazy. He said there's 20,000 people here. How are we going to do this? And then there's this little kid walking by with his long John Silver's box. He said, hey, give me that kid. Come on. Come on. You open the box up, and there's two fish, two pieces of fish, and five rolls. The kid likes rolls. You know, got extra rolls that day. Two pieces of fish. And five rolls. And, of course, you can see Peter. I, I love Peter because I relate to Peter. You can see Peter say, you know, stop it, Peter. And we got a problem here. Think about something else, you know. So what are we going to do? It's all we got, you know. And so then the committee probably said, I know, I know, I know. Tell him this is all we have. And he'll dismiss the service, you know. So he said, yeah, yes, good idea, good idea. So, you know, you, here you go. You go back there. Excuse me. 
Um, you know, you uh, told us, uh, you know, to, um, and so we've been working, and, uh, you know, to give them something to, you know, eat. And so we, we've been talking, and we're, and we, uh, uh, all we have, what, um, uh, see, we worked on, and, but all we have is, we have, uh, two fish and, uh, five, five rolls, and so we thought you ought to, you know, uh, go ahead, go ahead and dismiss the service. And the Lord says, oh, good, have them sit down in groups of 50. Lord, we we don't have five hundred rolls. We we have five five rolls and, and, and two fifty. Yeah, that'll be fine. Have them sit down in groups of fifty. Okay. Now, what do you got to do? You got to go tell the committee. So you go back over to the committee and they say, "Well, did it work? So you gonna dismiss the service?" Nope. Well, what what do you say? He said, I'm going to sit down in groups of 50. What? How are we going to have them say, what? Oh, this is a disaster, you know. And so, so now, now here's the next part that we never think about. You've got to tell these people to sit down in groups of 50. Here's my question for you. Have you ever worked with people? People don't do what you ask them to do without asking questions, right? So you say, could, could you sit out and please in groups of, of 50? And you got some great big old guy. Say, you going to give us something to eat? Ha, save me one of them rolls. Uh, if you could just sit down, please, in, in groups of 50. Please, please, just number off and, and sit out in, in groups of, of, of 50, you know. And so you haven't sat down. Now, I personally believe that the disciples figured it out. I personally believe that. And do you know why I believe that? You see, there's this story in the Old Testament about Elisha feeding 100 men with 12 loaves, multiplying the bread and feeding 100 men. And I think they got thinking, said, you know, you know, man, Elisha did that. And, man, we've seen this guy do some great stuff. I'll bet he's going to multiply. Now, the reason that I think they figured it out is because most of us, when we're in a jam, try to figure out how God's going to do it. Is that right? So I really think they got to talk to him and say, you know what, I think I know how he's going to do it. We're going to be okay. Everything's going to work out here. God's going to watch you. And then I think about Peter. I really like Peter, you know. I think about Peter saying, just watch, just watch. And Peter said, here, pray over my role first. Pray, pray over mine first. Pray, pray. Watch, watch what he does. Watch, watch. Now, look at verse 16 because we missed this. It says, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. It doesn't say he blessed and multiplied them. It says he blessed and broke, broke them. In other words, it's even smaller than what they had when they first gave it to him. I want you to think about this. Come on, think about Peter saying, here, here, Lord, bless mine first, bless. Watch, 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 watch this. And the Lord takes it, lifts it up to heaven and says, Father, bless this bread, breaks it, and gives half of it back to Peter. And then the Lord says, okay, go give it out. Um, are you sure praying? <laughs> and the Lord says, yeah, I, I'm through. It's blessed. Go give it out. Did you want to pray some more? <laughs> no, no, it's blessed. Go ahead. Go give it out. So now, think about this, all right? 
Peter goes down to the first person. I want you to think about this. There's 20,000 people. And he says to the first one, take just a little piece. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's got to go. You know, I just, just a little one, just a little Take just a little piece. Just, I said a little piece. What's wrong with you? And so he goes down the row, and he gets to the end of the row, and this bread grows in his hands. And you know, he says to the next guy, hey, you can have a little more. <laughs> See, this is what we missed. The miracle did not happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. And it only happened when they were obedient to do two things. These two are the secrets of multiplication. You have to understand. Number one, it has to be blessed before it can be, before it can multiply. In other words, here's the first thing they did. They had five loaves and two fists, but they didn't go give it out immediately. They did what first? They gave it to Jesus first. And Jesus blessed it. This is where we started this series. When we give to God first, the rest is blessed. And it has the ability and the potential to multiply. But if you don't give to God first, it will never multiply. Jesus is the only one who can multiply our bread. He's the only one who can bless it with the potential and the power to multiply. He's the only one. I've had people tell me, well, you know, I give. I give, but I've never seen this multiplication. Do you give to God first? Or I think people say, well, I tithe, but I also give to charities and all this stuff. That's great. Do you tithe first? Do you give to him first? Because if you don't give to God first, it will never be blessed the rest of your seed. So that's the first principle. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. The second principle is it has to be given before it can multiply. It has to be given. In other words, after Jesus blessed it, they could have just eaten it. The twelve disciples could have eaten the five loaves and the two fish for them, and it never would have been multiplied. This is what we talked about last week. Don't eat your seed. When Jesus blesses it, now we have to give it. It's over and above. Now, I'm probably about to stretch you a little bit in, in giving, okay? So just trust me. Stay with me. I personally do not believe that tithing is giving. I believe tithing is returning because the tithe belongs to God. I don't believe that we really start giving until we give out of the 90%. And I know people say, well, it all belongs to God. I understand that. But he's given us 90% to be a steward of, to do anything which we want. And out of that 90%, this is what he says, that's yours. Ten percent's mine. That's yours. You can do anything you want with it. And when we give a free will offering over and above what is already required of us, what already belongs to him, that's when we begin giving. Now, let me give you an illustration. Let's say that Pastor Brady comes to me and says, uh, Pastor Robert, uh, my car's in the shop. I was wondering if I could borrow your car this week. And I say, sure, you can borrow my car, and Debbie and I will share this week. And so I give him the keys to my car, and for a week, he drives my car. And then he gets it out of the shop, his car, and then he comes to me real serious at the end of the week with my keys, and he says to me, uh, Pastor Robert, um, um, Pam and I were praying, and we want to give you this vehicle, your vehicle. 
we want to give it to you. Okay, is he giving me my vehicle or is he returning it to me? That's the tithe. See, we don't give the tithe. We return the tithe. Now, again, I'm about to stretch you. I'm about to tell you something that I've never heard any pastor say anywhere. In Matthew 25, we're not going to turn to it. Let me just, you, you know the story when I tell you. Most of you do. There's the parable of the talents. Jesus gave five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to one. The one who was given the five talents comes and says, now I want you to think about this in regards to the tithe and offerings. He comes to Jesus and he says, here are the five talents that you gave me and five more also. And then the one that has the two comes to Jesus and says, here are the two talents you gave me and two more also. And Jesus said to them, well done, good and faithful servants. Listen to me. God calls faithfulness increasing, not maintaining. Maintaining is not Faithful for the believer. Only when we increase, that's faithfulness. The one who had the one talent, listen carefully to what he said. He came to his master and said, here is what is already yours. He returned to his master what was already his master, what belonged to his master. And the master said, you're a wicked and lazy servant. Because you only gave back to me what was already mine. Now, the reason I think I probably never heard any pastor say this is because most pastors would not want to call their tithers wicked and lazy servants. <laughs> and I'm not trying to infer that. If you, if you have a struggle in tithing, we must start there. Tithing rebukes the devourer and opens the windows of heaven. If you ever get to the first level, you'll go to the second level. If you ever start tithing, you'll start giving offerings, believe me, because you'll see God's blessing on your finances. I want us all to get to the third level. But that's what it is. We have to give over and above. And that's what this miracle offering is. It's not our tithe. It's not what's required. It's not what belongs to God. It's us giving over and above. And it's even more than an offering. It's an extravagant offering. It's a sacrifice. That's what we're doing today. I'm asking every one of you, to give a sacrificial offering. Whatever it is, ask yourself, is this a sacrifice? Is this a sacrifice for me and for my family? Am I putting it out there where I need to believe God now and I can see God come through? Now, Debbie and I have, have lived this life, as I said, for 20 years. It is the most wonderful, most joy-filled life in the world. And I just wrote this book on giving. I, I have to tell you something, though. There's, this book is not all the financial principles. It's only about giving. i tell you what I've, I've discovered is we need another book on how to manage your money. We need another book on living below your means and, and not going into debt and things like that. And by the way, uh, I was going to talk to you later, but I think you're supposed to write that book, Brother George. <laughs> so, and I'm serious as I can be. <laughs> And I really believe that we need to understand things because you can't give if you're in debt. You can't give like you want to if you don't understand some things about living below your means. And so I have to let you know that that's where it started with us. Years ago, before God really got us in the area of, lar of giving large amounts, He had to straighten out some things in our finances. And He told me to do three things. Now, these things are very important. Number one, He said, get out of debt. 
for us, he was get out of debt on everything except your home uh, because we were gaining equity on that for us. Now, you do whatever God tells you to do, but no debt on cars, on vehicles, no debt on credit cards, no debt, no, no debt other than our home for us. And so we began to pay our debt off. It took one year to do that. Now, listen to me. You say, well, it would take me a lot longer than one year. If we had been on the schedule we started, it would have taken eight years. Eight years. We knew that. But God saw that we were serious. I told Debbie, we're not buying anything until we get out of debt. That's not a necessity. We didn't buy any new clothes. We didn't buy the microwave when it broke. And we had a discussion about whether a microwave was a necessity or not. We didn't. I, I, one person reminded me last night because they heard Debbie share on this at a women's meeting. One of our hair dryers broke. She had one. I had one. I, we didn't buy a new one. We shared the, the hair dryer. I mean, that's just a little simple thing. Another thing we did was we sold our vehicle and bought one for cash. The only one we could afford was $750. That was it. It was a 1974 Ford station wagon with 134,000 miles on it. And we paid $750. And we prayed over it. We anointed it with oil about a quarter a week. But we really were filled with joy, and some of you know what I'm talking about. When you begin to obey God in your finances, driving that old beat-up car down the road, we were happier than we were in the other car because we were finally getting our finances in order. And so that's the first thing, get out of debt. second thing the Lord said to me was never manipulate. Never manipulate, and every one of us can do this. Manipulation is witchcraft. Manipulation is based in fear, not faith. Manipulation is, God, I don't believe you can come through. I'm going to have to work a deal here. And every one of us can do this. I was an evangelist, so my ministry might was funded by donations and offerings. And I had a, a, a mailing list. And a mailing list is not wrong. It depends on where your heart is. My heart was trusting in the mailing list. And I would send the mailing list out every month, and people would send donations. And the Lord said to me, stop it. Stop the mailing list. I said, Lord... Uh, you know, I send it and people send money, you know. And uh, he said, yeah, where's your trust? He said, if I want them to send, I'll tell them. Stop the mailing list. And I remember saying to him, well, should I send one more and tell them I'm stopping the mailing list? <laughs> and then I'm trusting you to provide. And the Lord said, no, that's wrong. Where's your heart? And so we stopped the mailing list. You know what happened? The check stopped. They stopped contributing when we stopped it. And I said, Lord, I thought you said if you wanted them to send, that you'd, uh, you know, you'd tell them. He said, well, they're not sending. What does that tell you? He said, I don't want you. I don't want you. I want to, I want to provide for you. I remember there was a man in Houston, Texas, that every time we called him, he'd send $300. I mean, I, I, if I just called and said, hey, how's everything going? A few days later, it'd be a check for $300. And I just remember the little thought, why don't you call that guy? Just see how he's doing. You know, just say hi. And the Lord said to me, you going to trust me? you going to trust me? In five months, we went through terrible financial times. We were trying to pay off our debt. We were learning about trusting God. And we barely had enough to make ends meet during that time. At the end of five months, this, a man said to me, I'm supposed to give to your ministry. And we were standing in a home that he later sold for $33 million. We're standing in this home, and he said, I'm supposed to give your ministry. We're standing by this fireplace. I'll never forget it. He said, but you're supposed to choose the amount. I'll either give, I'll either give you $100 a month, $1,000 a month, 
or $10,000 a month, and you choose the amount. And I said to him, I'm not doing that. I will never tell you what to give. God is the only one who can tell you what to give, and I'm not going to do that. Turned around and walked off. He called me the next day, and he was crying, and he said, you're the first minister that's ever been in my home that didn't ask me for money. You're the first one. And that next day, when I was in my quiet time, the Holy Spirit said to me, as far as finances are concerned, you're in the promised land. How would you like God to say that to you? For the rest of your life, you're in the promised land if you do these three things. The first, get out of debt. Second, never manipulate. And the third, give. I want you to give extravagantly. When I say jump, you jump. When I say give, you give and never question it. When that still, small voice says give, you write the check immediately. Don't question that voice. I'm telling you, if you question, you can reason it out. And we've all had that. And we know the voice of God. My sheep hear my voice. We know God's voice. And so we begin to give. And we begin to give 20% of our income immediately to the church. 10% tithe, 10% offerings. Because, again, 10% was returning. So we began to give 10% over and above the time. And I'll tell you one of the reasons I did it. I was reading in, in uh, Leviticus 27, and it said, if you have a field and you want that field to belong to God, but you need to use that field for your income, you need to use it for your family, you can go to the priest and say, we're giving this field to the church. This is now the church's. But we need to use it to continue feeding our family. And the Lord said, you can do that, and it will belong to the church as long as you'll give one-fifth of it back. In other words, you can redeem it. You can give it to the church, but you can buy it back or use it for your own if you'll give 20% of the proceeds. And so that's what I did. I had a time when I held my checkbook up for Robert Morris Evangelistic Association. That was my job time. And I said, Lord, I give it to you. It's not my field anymore. It's your field. It belongs to you. And of everything you give me, I'll give one-fifth back to you. Here's the great thing. My job belongs to God now. Isn't that great? For 20 years, it's belonged to God. My field is, has been given to the church, and I've been able to use it to feed my family as long as I give one-fifth of it back to God. So we started doing that immediately. And that was the second level. And then God began to challenge us in the third level. And I'll never forget how it started. We were in a meeting, and we had one meeting for the month. One meeting. Now, my offering was totally based on offerings or donations, how it, whatever it was. That was my income. And so we're in this meeting, and we have one meeting for the whole month. That's it. And the pastor comes to me afterwards and said, he was so excited, he said, I, just, I can't believe this. We've never given an, off, given an offering this large. Never. And he opened the check up because he was so pleased with how his people had given. And it was a small church. And he showed me the check, and it was enough for the whole month. The whole month. And I was looking at it thinking, God, this is, you are so good. And I looked up at the pastor, and as I just glanced over his shoulder, I saw this missionary that had spoken that night before I preached and given an update to the church, that the church supported this guy. And this little voice said, give him the love offering. And I remember thinking, I rebuke you, say, I can't believe you're talking to me like that. I don't know, that's not God. And this little voice, giving the love offering, giving the love offering. And I thought, no, God, you're not thinking straight, God. You just provided for the whole month. Why would you give him the love offering, give him the love offering, give him the love offering? And, you know, you, you feel like when God, you, you've heard that, you feel like saying, I can't hear you, you know, la, 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 you know. And I just kept feeling it over and over and over again. I said, Lord, are you sure? You know, that, that's a great question, isn't it? Are you sure? 
Johnny, well, let me thank you. Uh, yes, I can provide. And so I turned the check over, endorsed it, went over to the missionary and said, I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing, but the Lord told me to do this to you, and I gave him the check. That night we went to eat at a pizza hut with about 20 people from the church. And uh, the guys were sitting on one end table, the girls on the other end, and we were talking. And all of a sudden, the guys beside us, the men beside us, started talking. And this guy sitting across the table from me, I met him one time before. Uh, and I don't remember, two or three months before, on a deer hunting trip in Colorado with about 30 men. I just met him one morning. We drove out to the stand together with four other guys, and he, we dropped him off, and then I went somewhere. And that was all. I talked to him for 15 minutes in, in a Jeep, you know. He's sitting across the table from me. This is the first man I'd ever met with a gift of giving. First one. And all of a sudden, it was like we were in a vacuum, just he and I sitting there talking. And he leaned across the table, and I don't know to this day why, but for some reason I leaned across the table, to, you know, and he said to me, how much was the love offering? And, you know, this is a, a stranger in essence, and, and for, but for some reason I just told him how much the love offering is. And he said to me, where's the check? Just like that. And I, I shouldn't have done this, but I didn't want anyone to know. And so I lied. I didn't tell him the truth. I said, Debbie has it. And so he said, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, okay. <laughs> and so I walked down to the other end of the table, you know, and I just leaned down to Debbie and I said, how's your pizza? Good, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, what else could I say? You know, there was no chat. So I went back to him and I, I shouldn't have done it, but I said, it's in the car because I didn't want him to, to know what we'd done. And he said, it's not in the car. You gave it away. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, because God told me. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check he had written before he came that night. It was already filled out. And he opened it up so I could see the amount. And it was exactly ten times to the penny the amount of the offering. And he held it out like this, and I reached out, and when I took the check and he was holding on the other end, he said to me, God is about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let go of the check. And God began to teach us, and we began to give. We went straight from there after and the next month. We went on this, this uh, meeting, and we began to give. God began to speak to us, do this, do that. I remember God said to me, uh, you remember that man in the church that, that the pastor told you today that he, today he lost his job? I said, yes, Lord. He said, I want you to pay his salary for one month. I said, Lord, I don't even know what his salary is. And the Lord said, I do. <laughs> he said, he makes $3,000 a month. I said, you want me to give him $3,000? And the Lord said, no, the new job's going to pay 4000 I want you to give him 4000 <laughs> And tell him he's going to get a job making 4000 in 30 days. And so we went and gave him the money, and after the and 30 days later, by the way, he got a job making 4000 We just began to give as God spoke to us to give. Then God spoke to us to give the vehicle away. So we gave the vehicle away, and then someone gave us a vehicle. And we gave another vehicle, and someone gave us a vehicle. And God just began to do miraculous things. I pulled into a gas station right after the Lord said, never manipulate and stop the mailing list. You remember that? I pulled into a gas station, and we didn't have much money at all. We were going to Oklahoma to preach in a small church 
in that 73 Ford station wagon, pulled into a gas station, filled it up, walked in to pay for the gas, and the lady behind the counter said, it's taken care of. This is just taken care of. And I said, what do you mean it's taken care of? She said, well, I own the gas station, and when you pulled in, God told me you were an evangelist, and I was to fill your car with the gas. And I went out, and I got behind the wheel of the car, and I said, Lord, I sure like doing things better your way than my way. And we begin to live this life. And one of the vehicles, I remember we had this van, and God said to me, sell, sell the van. And, and by now, we were giving vehicles away, and, and, and we were giving about 70% of our income away. And I said, you know, kind of pridefully, you know, Lord, I, I don't sell vehicles. You know, I, I give them away. And the Lord said, no, you obey. That's what you do. And I'm telling you to sell the van. So I said, well, okay, how much you want me to sell it for? He said, $12,000. I said, okay. The next morning, this is Saturday, next morning at church, this man walks up to me and says, you want to sell your van? <laughs> I said, yeah, I do. He said, how about 12000 <laughs> I said, yeah, that'd be fine. So that day, he gives me $12,000 and takes the van. And so the next morning, I'm leaving to go to Costa Rica on a mission trip. I get down to Costa Rica, and this missionary picks us up in this rickety old van. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you rode in this van, probably. So we're in this old van, and we're just bouncing along, you know. And I said to this guy, why don't you get you a new van? And the guy said, I'm about to. He said, last week I was driving by this car lot, and God said, stop. And he went, I went over, and there was a van, and the Lord said to me, I'm going to give you this van. And he said, I prayed over the van. And, of course, I said, how much is it? Anyone want to take a guess? <laughs> he said 12000 I said, go buy the van. Can I tell you something? That's fun. That's fun to live this life. And this is the life that we've lived for 20 years now. This is what I'm trying to tell you. God wants to bless us. God wants us to be able to give extravagantly when he says extravagantly and to trust him. Trust him. One day I was sitting in the home, in our home, and the Lord said to me, will you give me everything? And you know when the Lord says that, I don't know why, but we all respond with, what do you mean by everything? <laughs> he said, what you get? I had two vehicles at the time, our house and uh, a lot of money in the bank. And he said, would you give me the vehicles? Would you give me your house? And would you give me all the money you have? And I sat there just for a moment, and then I thought, you know what? I would love to do that, God. I would love to do that. And so we gave the vehicles away. We gave all the money away. We prayed about the family we were supposed to give the home to. We gave the home away. Now, we didn't actually give the home until... Uh, uh, a while later, but in our hearts, we gave it away at that moment because God said to me, I'm going to show you the family. And he did. He showed us the family we were give it to a little while later. So we gave everything away. Then I was sitting in my living room chair, and you have to know that, that God and I had these real open, sometimes humorous conversations, and you can have them too. And I was just kind of thinking, I was adding, I had left the equity in our home, the two vehicles, how much money in the bank and all the accounts. And I thought, whoo, man. And the Lord said to me, what, what are you smiling about? And I said, you really won't know? He said, yeah, I won't know. I said, well, I think this time I got you. I mean, you know, I know the old saying, you can't outgive God. 
Well, I don't think I got you this time. I mean, you know, I, 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 when, Lord, this is a big amount. And uh, I just think I got you. And the Lord said to me, do you really? And right then, the telephone rang. And I picked it up, and the voice on the other end said, Robert, God told me to help you with your transportation. And here was my thought. I thought, he's going to buy us a car, because we don't have a car. And we give them both away. We don't have any way to go anywhere, you know. And so I thought, he's going to buy us a car. But my thought was, I still got you. Because even if he gives us one, we just gave two. And we've given nine in the last 18 months, God. And we gave the house, and we gave the, all the money. I, I, I still got you. So I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? And he said, he told me to buy you an airplane. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, he told me to buy you an airplane, and I bought it today, and I parked it at Meacham Field, and I'm paying for the hangar for the airplane, and I'm paying for the insurance, and I'm going to pay for all the fuel and all the maintenance, and I hired a pilot, and here's his name and number, and you call him and tell him where you want to go and when you want to go, and he'll fly you there. And the Lord said to me, gotcha. Now, don't let the enemy tell you, well, that works for him, but it wouldn't work for me. Because I'm telling you, if you don't get anything out of coming to Gateway Church, get this out of coming. Robert Morris is not special. Every one of God's kids are special. And God will bless extreme obedience with extreme blessing. You cannot go to a higher level of income without going to a higher level of giving first and a higher level of obedience. And that's what God is asking. I'm asking you today to step out in faith and give sacrificially and extravagantly.